This is the Indesa Members Memo, a podcast of the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. Indesa is 100% member-owned and is your industry voice. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Indesa Member Memo. This is the podcast for National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association, and I'm Joe McGuire, the Executive Director, and today I have a special guest with me, and that is Jan Kornman from Core Management Services. Jan, welcome. Hello, thanks, Joe. I'm so happy I can be with you this morning. We can go through some really interesting things that our yes. people want to know about. So, That's right. You. And you are, um, you are the secretary for the board of directors. Um, so you are on the board. And um, I, I know some people say quit making this distinction all the time, Joe, but you are a founding board member. And I think it's an important distinction because you helped us pull this thing together, launch it. You were on the planning committee with me and um, we explored all the options. And then we we did the work. <laughs> and we did it. And we did it. I, we you know, did it. If we stop and think back at that time and how we decided to do this and how it all pulled together, I am amazed. Yeah. Amazed. And we have some really top-notch people. Oh, top yeah. People that have started this and stuck with it and are still done whole and working on everything. I, can, I can't. It's such a great group. It's just so much fun. And oh, thank you, Joe, yes. for all you've done. And thank you for becoming the executive director, because without you, we would have somebody probably that didn't know about our industry, and you are top-notch when it comes to that. And, so. and you know, that happens. And I, I think that it is something that made a big difference for us, is having um, someone inside the industry. I think it m matters to our members so much, right. because when they pick up the phone, there's someone there who has stood in front of that donor <laughs> with that pickup. <laughs> and we know how to do them collections. And yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you have been doing so much training of collectors, of screening technicians, of breath alcohol technicians, of you've been this whole summer. Um, so this is taking, we are recording this in August, 2020, where we don't know where we are in the COVID line timeline, but we're yeah. in it. Yeah. And um, so Indesa offered a ton of specials to help people who were financially crunched during this time. Um, and what what you've trained, has it been like over 70 people or? Actually, it's over 100 now. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And that's oh, yeah, because 70 was last month when I talked yeah, to you. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, Robin, and I still have some to go that I've got on a schedule. So it's, it's not stopping yet. It's and it's wonderful. I mean, the people that have come to it, I, I've learned from them. They've learned from me, I hope. Um, mm -hmm. And we've had really a good time doing the training. I'm one of these kind of trainers that it's not just black and white. You don't sit there and go, this is what you need to do and this is how you do it. No, we get into it and we talk about it and find out the why behind right. what we're doing what we're doing. So it's been real interesting. It has. And, and so as we've been talking about this and checking in, each week you've been saying to me, oh my gosh, Joe, we got to do a podcast on things that people have been trained in incorrectly right. to do incorrectly because there's so many glaring errors out there and you're seeing them consistently, 
right? And um, so I love it. You sent me a list and you're like, this is all the stuff we really need to talk about. So this, this podcast episode is not just to say, oh, you know, all these people are making these mistakes. This is to say, let's educate those in our industry. These are common uh, collection errors in training that you have been told to do things incorrectly and let's help you get them right. Right. So I'm, I'm excited to, um, to go through this list and let's educate all of our, our, our partners, our members, our constituents, so that we can do, um, so that we can perform drug and alcohol test collections excellently. Um, you know, we both have a passion about this because the drug and alcohol test, it impacts a life every single time. Every time. Every time. So you get it wrong, you cost someone their career. Sometimes if you're in the legal world, you can cost them going back to jail or custody of their children or probation or whatever. Um, Every time it matters. It's not just, you know, a a boring job. Because if you're in this industry, you're probably not listening to this podcast if you think it's a boring job. Um, It's probably all of our our compliance geeks that are on here. Like, I just can't get enough of this and I don't know why I'm a sick person. Um, (laughs) But... um, (laughs) Join the crowd. Join the crowd. Yeah. um, But but also, if you're listening to this and you get this information, share it. Share it with um, those that you work with and that you, you know, uh, have do collections for you and the whole thing. Well, well, let's get to it because we want to make sure we get through the list and this will probably be one of our longest episodes and George will kill us if it's like three hours so we should get talking. So tell me about no shortcuts in doing collections follow the steps. Let's hear what that um, tell us the details of of what you've been seeing on this topic. Okay so when I'm doing the urine drug collection training especially Um, The procedure is outlined in the custody and control form. Step one, step two, step three, step five, and then step four. They always are. There's people out there that have always just gone one, two, three, four, five. That is not what you need to do. So I emphasize the fact, no shortcuts. Step four cannot be completed by that collector until they have gotten the donor, that employee, to sign their step five on copy two. It says it right in the regulations. It says it right on the form. Um, Don't put in the date. Don't put in the time ahead of time. Don't print your name and say, well, I'll sign it after they sign. No, step four is completed after step five is completed. You know, Um, it took me a long time to understand that when I came into the industry. And several times, you know, I've put the question out there, like on our town hall meetings and in webinars, what would you like to say to Odapsy if you could talk to someone right now? Because A, people don't realize they could talk to someone at Odapsy if they <laughs> called. <laughs> um, you can. Uh, and B, um, you know, we, we get a lot of things. It, it's easier sometimes to think of them when we're processing together or we're on a topic. Yes. And right. inevitably, <clears throat> when I ask that question, I get an email, sometimes from the same person, but I, I have a couple who go, you go up there and you tell Odapsy to change the order of the steps to one, two, three, four, five. We're tired of this one, two, three, five, four. Um, but it, it took me a long time to understand that the, the five is on the second page for the privacy of the donor. And it can't be on page one because that is protecting their private personal information. And it doesn't go in the collection bag right. because right. the collection bag could end up in Timbuktu 
which I've seen them go to Germany and back before they got to where they're supposed to be, uh, literally. And, um, and you can't have all of that personal private information on there. So you have to flip that page and have them attest that they are giving you this sample under these circumstances and that they understand the process and sign before you flip it back and you do your part um, on that first page. So it has to be that way. You're so right. And I think, I think there's people who do it because a, they just, they're trained incorrectly, but I think there's people who do it because they're like, I'm not doing the one, two, three, four, five, or, you know, out of order. It's not five, four is dumb. So I'm just going to do it this way. And it's wrong. Right, right. Well, and you know, I actually, at one of the conferences we had, I actually went up to one of the people at FMCSA and I said, why did they do that? And Mm -hmm. the answer I got was, it's to prove if you answer a judge or anybody and say, I do one, two, three, four, five, they know you are not following procedures. So it's a wake up call to say, well, you need to follow the procedures. It's outlined step by step. So there's a variety of reasons why. The other thing on that that really jumped out at me in the training was under step one, where the collector site needs to put the location where their collections are being done. Mm -hmm. If you have pre-printed forms and you go somewhere else to do the collection, it's best just to put a straight line through your address. And I've been advising people to write collected at and put the address. There you go. Because some people are getting things sent to them at the wrong address. Right. They changed it. Right. So just keep, that's a good thing to keep in mind. There's pros and cons to having that pre-printed. But. Right. Well, you know, the other thing that I want to say just quickly, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but in the proposed, proposed changes that HHS is making to the new chain of custody form, they are talking about removing the directions, the instructions from the back of page five. And we all need to advocate for that is not a good idea. We mm-hmm. need those instructions on that last right. page. Right. So let's just keep going here. Um, so tell me about... Um, uh, direct observations, what you tell the donor. Um, there, We could probably talk about direct observations for 10 podcast episodes. There's right. so much around this, but what's the glaring issue that you are seeing? Well, what really came out in this is one person, because when I'm doing drug collections, and this is just me, I always tell everybody, this is just me. But when I, the first thing, when I they come and hand me that urine sample, the first thing I do is look at the temperature. If there's no green dot, I tell them, mm-hmm. there. there's no green dot. We were supposed to see it from, you know, 90 to 100 with a green dot. Mm-hmm. They know right then and there the temperature is not right. I don't have yeah. to explain it to them. Most of them understand it. Anyhow. That's right. They know why it's they not correct. Not yes. Right. <laughs> um, and so one of the things there was, oh, well, I take another cup and I pour it into that other cup then to check that temperature strip. No. Odapsy says no. That no. is allowed. You cannot do that. You can only transfer it into the transfer bottles and that's it. Yeah. So that jumped out at us. But when do you tell that person then that they're going to actually have a direct observe? Do you tell them that right away then while you're filling out on packaging up that first sample? Or do you wait and have them fill out step five, use step four? And then when you're going to go do the direct observe, you explain to them what's going to be done. In the regs, it does, it's not clear. It mm-hmm. doesn't say when you need to do that. I personally tell them, I'm going to package this one up. We're I do too. Do a second collection. Yeah, I think I thought, surprises don't go well. 
No, and and why why would you want to do that? Because if they say no, you're not going to do a direct observe on me. You can just finish it. Right. You can be done. Right. Uh, other people, some of the people I trained said, no, I don't let them know. I want them to sign step five before I tell them that because I've never had anybody refuse to sign. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Never. Know. Yeah. And I've been doing this for uh, 10 years. You've been doing it for long, way longer than me. I've never had anybody refuse to sign. Yeah, I always tell people, if you were seeing me right now, you'd say, yeah, she's been around a long time. She's got that white hair. <laughs> I was figuring the other day, it's 30 plus years. Wow. So it's wow. a long time. Yeah. Have some of these changed? Yeah, some of these things have changed in the rules. Um, not like our breath alcohol. When I do breath alcohol training, that has not changed since 1991 when I started. Mm -hmm. They still use the same uh, model for training. Mm -hmm. uh, with our urine drug collections, yeah, about every 10 years, something new comes out. Mm -hmm. So we got to back up to this with the direct observe and talk about the fact they do need to do the up-down turnaround. Yes. But a lot of people in the training, they're not doing a lot of DOT. They're doing non-DOT. Well, you need to know what their policy is. So explain up down turnaround for those who may not know okay all right so when we go to the direct observe we need to first off they have to agree to do it yes second off when we go into the bathroom with them the same gender person no exception to the rule um, we have them lift their shirt up drop their pants down and turn around in front of us so what we're looking for to see if they've got something on their body right that they're tampered with the sample and I'm a big proponent of explain to them what is going to happen before you walk into that restroom. Right, right. Right. You tell them this is what a direct observe, and it's really good to have that printed out on a on a right. card, like a laminated card. And if you feel uncomfortable speaking it to them, have them read it. But you know, not everybody can read right. um, or read well or have comprehension. Um, especially when they've just cheated their drug test and they know that, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> no you know, so uh, we're going to walk into the yeah. restroom. You're going to have to lift your garment above your waist, drop it down below your hip and turn around in the 360 circle because I'm looking for devices to tamper or cheat right. the test. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and if any of those things come up, we just stop the collection. That's right. the refusal to test. So um, to me, it's very easy, but I know with non-DOT collections, some will follow DOT guidelines. Mm -hmm. Some will say, just throw that first sample away when it's out of temperature range and let me know. Mm -hmm. Some of them will say, throw the first one away and recollect. Mm -hmm. But that's non-DOT. It's in their company policy. That's what the collector needs to follow. Right. I, mean, I wouldn't do an up-down turnaround if it's not in their policy. Right, right. The other thing that we always talk about when we're going to this is under DOT regulations, your return to duty and your follow-up testing have to be always observed always so observed i always preface that that is when they are scheduling that with you the designated employer representative that the person at the company who does the drug and alcohol program sets up that appointment and they say do a follow-up test or a return to duty test always ask them is this due to a positive test yes what we're finding is people are scheduling return to duties when they're off for medical leave. Oh that no. Not, that is not when you do a return to duty. No, That's return, yeah, return to duties when you've had a positive drug test, so you've failed the test right. and you need to come back and have a clean test before you can 
um, begin to do safety-sensitive functions again. <clears throat> it's so important to note that difference because now we're reporting those into the clearinghouse. Right. And if you put someone down as a return to duty in the clearinghouse and, and they haven't failed a drug test previously, you're hurting their record, their permanent record. Yeah, um, I know, I know. And now they can, you know, the donor can dispute it and, and all that, but that's an administrative process and they have to know that it's there and all this other stuff. So, sure. oh my gosh, I didn't realize people were misunderstanding that. Right. Um, yeah. Oh mean, my that goodness. came up in the training with several people saying uh, that they got to make sure. And I said, you know, when I was in occupational medicine for many years, uh, when companies would send someone to us for the collections, we had a form and on the form, they had to check off everything they'd want us to do. Uh, it sure does help in the middle of the night not getting a hold of that. Yes, representative, right. But it also has that background of saying this is what they've ordered. Yeah. Basically, whatever they tell you to do as a collector, we still need to do it. Even mm -hmm. if it's wrong, right. we still should do it. Um, so you've got that documentation as a collector. I think that's kind of critical too. The other part was the bathroom, checking the bathroom before they send them in and yes. after. And uh, one, one person was very adamant about it when I did the training and said, I know people are not checking it before they put someone in. They check after, but mm -hmm. they don't check before. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another big thing. And what are you checking for? Where are you hiding things? Uh, that you don't know too. you don't know that the last donor didn't leave something for the next donor if they work right. together you, right. you don't there's no way that you can know that and you might think you know but people are sneaky and tricky and so no <laughs> you check it before and after exactly right. Right. yeah and did then, you want to mention the confusion? I might be jumping ahead. I'm not sure, but did you okay. want to mention that's the okay. confusion about monitored collections versus oh. direct observe? Well, when we talked about direct observe, that is actually where the person is going to have someone stand there, the same gender, mm -hmm. watch the urine, leave the body and go in the cup. Right. Okay. Monitored collection is when someone stands outside of a bathroom stall and just watches so that they don't go from different stalls, use the water or whatever things in that bathroom. Mm -hmm. I always use the example, and, and this is a commercial on TV, where mm -hmm. the bank is getting robbed and the woman is laying on the floor next to a man and the guard is standing above him with the gun on his hips and he's looking down at the woman and the woman says to the guard, well, aren't you going to do something? And he looks down at her and says, ma'am, I'm just a guard here. I'm only the monitor we're getting robbed. And mm -hmm. so the fact of the matter is he's not going to do anything. Right. So if we monitor a collection, you're standing outside, you're not going to do anything. You're just right. going to make sure that you document what happened. Right. Uh, and that remark section, that's another thing that people got confused about too, is the fact of write down what you actually has happened in your own words so that you can recall what you've written. Yes. Yes. Very important. When you're, when you are, trust me, when you're called up two years later on a disputed um, DOT test and you're trying to remember what happened that day and you can read your own notes on the chain of custody <laughs> form, it's incredibly helpful. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. And, and with monitored as well, um, they can close the stall door. You're not directly observing them. You're listening but you're not um, watching the stream leave the body and go into the cup. So very different. And I tell them, you don't have to stand so you can look through the cracks. You right. can stand at the door right. and be, be 
feet, lots of feet away from them. Right. And, and so even with COVID nowadays, that's even more important to yeah. stay away from the people. So yeah. you don't have to be right on top of them when you're doing monitored collections. Right, right, um, exactly. Here with the monitored, where people really get confused then, is they do have a provision. If you are a medical professional, you can do monitored and do not have to be the same gender. Mm -hmm. That's where people get confused. The direct observe where you're watching the urine leave the body and go in the cup, direct has to be the same gender. Mm -hmm. Monitored, it could be a medical professional. I always tell people, I am a former laboratory technician. Mm -hmm. I do not practice. Mm -hmm. I cannot do monitored on that. Because you don't have a current license issued right. by your state board. Right. <clears throat> and that's, even, yeah. And the other part of it is a medical professional could be a laboratory technician like mm -hmm. I was. We mm -hmm. didn't have license, mm -hmm. but we were under the auspice of a doctor of, or a clinic under their professional liability. Right. Do it. So there you go. professionals does get kind of confusing. And I'd say the receptionist probably not. Right. Um, but it would be somebody that falls under that category of uh, how they do things professionally. Is it their liability that had would would be under that case of it? Right. But, confusing, but yeah. Well, what else are you seeing out there in well, incorrect training? Temperature out of range versus <laughs> shy bladder. They have this real, and I know when they changed that rule, it was very confusing to me. I had to talk to a lot of different collectors and say, what are you thinking they're meaning here? Mm -hmm. But if you collect a sample, first off, it's temperature out of range. You only have, let's say, 25 milliliters, and you were able to read the temperature on the stick, on the, on the temperature strip. We go temperature out of range. We package it up. We're going to do a direct observe. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is very confusing to people because they think, well, you don't have enough sample. You can't send it in. You've got to throw it out. Right. Okay. So the only time it gets into shy bladder then at that point is on that second collection. Exactly. Okay. So, and it's kind of hard for them to differentiate between, okay, now we've got a temperature on our branch. We packaged it up. We go to do the second collection. And now that one truly is shy bladder. So every attempt when you're doing that shy bladder has to be directly observed. If you get to the end of the three hours, you don't have a sample, it's none provided. You mm -hmm. don't have 45 mils, can't send it in. You're not going to send in that first sample, even if it was temperature out of range. Right. Where right. you really find it is adulterated. Because if they have an adulterated sample, that's the same procedure. Right. And that can be confusing to people. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Right. And you know, uh, I have heard in the last couple of years of some company policies that are also very confused about um, about shy bladder. They're saying one hour or two hours in, that's a refusal if you don't go. And and I I was in a situation where this was a, these were DOT employees, and the the company said. Um, I, I notified them that it was a shy bladder because they were texting me and saying, you know, why aren't you done? Why aren't you done? We have people out here waiting. And I said, we have a shy bladder in here because the restroom was in like a different location. It was actually in an airport. So we had to go like way to this other part. And, um, and the, the employer or the, the DER said to me, um, well, they have one hour or they're fired. Tell, tell her she has one hour, she's fired. And I said, no, that is not true. Your company policy cannot override DOT federal law. 
Um, but DOT employees on a DOT test, they have three hours for that shy bladder, three hours. And we ended up getting in a, a argument that went up to Odapsy on it. Um, and this poor woman was absolutely in tears um, because it was a true shy bladder. She wasn't trying to cheat the test or get away with anything or, or whatnot. But then by the same token, I've had people that um, also DOT where I've given them the full three. They had a cold t temperature. Um, had the full three hours of waiting and I could tell he had to go and everybody needs to remember if that temperature is out of range and they're telling you they have a shy bladder because they just peed their line 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 because they just gave you a fake specimen nobody right, pees right. cold and so his his I mean his eyes were watering he had to go so bad but he waited out the full three hours and as soon as um, I said you know unable to provide he ran out the collection site down the hallway in the office building to the public restroom and peed. And what, what was he doing? He was trying to buy himself time and stall because he knew he was going to fail the test. So he knew that he could talk his DER into giving him another chance, uh, you know, even if it was marked a refusal because of the company policy. So people know how this goes. Okay. You know, they know how it goes. But you as the collector follow the rules. You don't get to make those judgment calls. I could have sat there and wrote on the chain of custody, he's lying, he doesn't, but that's not my place. My place was to just make the, you know, wait out the time. And I can tell the DER that's what happened, but I didn't have to, they were sitting right there, but, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, but we go through all kinds of things, always follow the rules, always, always follow always. the rules. Yeah. So what do we need to talk about next here? I've lost my place on our little list here. That's kind of, we've kind of went through most of the stuff. Oh, oh porta potties. I want to talk about porta potties. Yes, that's porta potties. Another. That's one. I knew there was something else I yeah. wanted to. Um, porta potties are very interesting when you set them up. They're very kind of easy to set up. But um, the one person that I did training on, she's in the cold environment in the winter and they have to use porta potties. That mm -hmm. it's very hard to read the temperature, you know as soon as they collected it, get in there and see that temperature because it gets cold so fast when it's 30 below. Mm. And so what they have done is they take actually like a paper towel and they tell the people, once you collect it in there, quickly wrap it up into this paper towel. They ask them to step out of the porta potty. They go into the collector, goes into the porta potty and quickly uncovers it and tries to read it. So they can't get it out into the cold. Mm only way they said they've been able to check temperatures without them being cold. Wow, that is really a cold environment. Right. How do you feel about that um, when you're not, you know, eyes aren't supposed to leave the specimen, but it is a very quick exchange. You're all right, right there. Yeah. Um, and it's a porta potty. It's not like there's any place to stow it, stash it, hide it. <laughs> Or keep it warm. It kind of leave the door cracked open so they yeah. can watch what you're doing. But yeah. um, they said that's the only way they've been able to get them done. And I know yeah. up in the oil range in North Dakota up there, I'm in South Dakota, it gets cold here, but it really gets cold up there in the yeah. worst scenario. But yeah. um, that's one good thing that, that people have come up with. You still need to read that temperature. And if it's cold, Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? You know, yeah. those rigs. Oh, yeah. I've been standing on this side of a freeway up in northern Colorado in the mountains, and um, Porta Potty was all we had on the side of the road while cars were driving by because it was road construction, and that was right. all there was. And, and don't you know, um, this was a company that uh, it was non DOT testing, and of, of course, they had. Um, they had waited the entire year to do their 
randoms because they only did them once a year. And it, uh, this is the last week in December, like New Year's is two days away. And, and Joe, you got to get, you know, 60 tests done it, it, this week. And um, I can't tell you how many of those guys tried to cheat. And, and I found those bottles in that porta potty. And I would look oh, yeah. down there and see the tampering device, a cold specimen right there on the side. They were all prepared. So, but, you know, of course, we could tell these stories all day long. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been a few. Through yeah. the years, right? I always think of that yeah. song, Through the Years. Through right? the years. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Rogers. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's but but porta potties are you know we really have to think through every scenario, yeah. and and it's something that we've really started to say a lot in our training classes. Sit down and brainstorm with your team the scenarios and talk them out, and especially new collectors when you're what would you do if? And I like that you've been asking yeah. people this: What do you do when? What do you do if? How do you handle this? And hear what they have to say because you're listening for those moments to educate and correct a bad behavior or a bad idea. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, um, I think another uh, one of the next podcasts you should maybe do it. We need to talk to Chuck Martin and tell him about cheating again. That his oh, webinar bet. on that excellent, and I bring it up in the training. Yes, uh, how you can spot people. It's I always like that you give them the mom look. <laughs> That's right. He or the cop look. He's a retired cop. He yeah. just stares at them. I'm like, I wish I would have known that trick when I was raising my kids. He's okay. like, Joe, it works every time. I said, Well, nobody told me that. I just kept talking at them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But that's yeah. a good suggestion. And uh, Chuck is an experienced podcaster who does a podcast called Clearing the Haze. And, um, he talks about drugs. He talks about pot. He talks about myths uh, uh, about drug use. And so he's yeah. a good one to, if you're listening to this podcast, go check out Chuck Marting on clearing the haze yeah. um, because it's very compatible. One of these days we'll have our own podcasting channel. And so if you're going to have a that. drug test podcast, we'll just all make a big channel and do it together. Yeah, exactly. Well, Dan, this has yeah. been delightful and it's been so wonderful to learn from you and have you put out these reminders that we may think, you know, well, everybody knows this, but the reality is not everybody does know. And in fact, um, one of our episodes just before we've done this one, uh, or released this one is, um, you know, what to, who determines a refusal? Because I've heard so many people say the TPAs are writing the refusals left and right, and they don't get to do that. So we're just really trying to um, yeah. uh, increase the level of expertise, excellence, knowledge, understanding, and, and getting right. it right, right for people. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for thank you. giving your time to train now over 100 people for Indesa. You have essentially, I mean, not walked away from core management, but core management has kind of hiatused itself during COVID. Um, and you have poured that into Indesa and we cannot ever thank you enough for what you have done for this organization. And for, and I hear nothing but glowing, like people will um, write me after they've had your class and say, Jan Corman is the bomb. She's the best trainer ever. Thank you so much. She's amazing because they think, you know, they get this amazing price for the training and think, oh, this is probably going to be low rent. And it's not. It's the best training they could possibly get. 
in the industry. So but thank you for that. It. That's right. We didn't change it. That's right. Full training now. It's the same thing. That's right. It's always excellent. So thank you so much. And I hope that um, you all have enjoyed this interview with Jan Kornman of Core Management Services. Um, you can look her up. You can find her on the Indesa portal uh, and on our website because she is on the board um, at Indesa.com. And if you have any questions for us, you can always reach out um, to info at Indesa.com. Have a great day and join us next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Indesa Members Memo. Subscribe to hear all of our podcasts and join Indesa to access all of our professional industry resources. Visit us at ndasa.com.